seated together in the presence of the Lord. What a blessing it is to have each and every one of you with us today. Thank you, Heather and Jeremy. I um, just want to apologize today for any of you who might have shown up thinking you were going to have a good-looking Mexican preach today. <laughs> Julio will be in the pulpit next week. <laughs> Feliz, Feliz Navidad. Yeah, amen. Um, just what a blessing it is to be with you and have fellowship and just experience the tremendous joy of the Lord that is among this people. God is here. And he's in our hearts. He's, he's not just in our worship, but he's, he's in our relationships. And I'm so thankful for the hope of God that has been birthed in this place. Thankful for the love of God that is being shared in this place. That blesses me. People care about each other here. Good to see you, man. Um, I think of the season of Advent and the themes, hope, love, joy, and peace next Sunday. Today is joy. Joy is built on these other two. For thousands of years, the prophets of God proclaimed that there was one coming. With the taste of forbidden fruit still on the lips of Adam and Eve in the garden, God slew an animal, and he wrapped them in skins. Something died. There was a sacrifice of an innocent to pay the price of the guilty. God sent Adam and Eve out of the garden, but before he did, having wrapped them in the garments made from the skin of an animal that had been slain, in their place. In Genesis chapter 3, we have what is called the protovangel. It's a $100 theological term, the protovangel. It's that evangel. You think of the good news. It's, it's the gospel. It was before they ever left the garden, while in that place, God made promise to Adam's race. God said that the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent, and the serpent would bruise his heel. There was a seed that was coming. Though the earth, created in light, had been plunged into a place of darkness, where there was clarity, now there was confusion, where there was ease, now there had entered in dis-ease. Where there had been an appointment of God, now there had become disappointment. But on that spot, while in that place, God made promise to Adam's race. And he said, this one will carry the seed of the promised one to come, the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. The angels of the Lord appeared and they declared, as Jeremy already read this morning, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone 
round them, and they were filled with fear. Another translation says they were terrified. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I'm reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And the 11th verse says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Everybody say those three words. Savior, Christ, Lord. Say it again. Savior, Christ, Lord. The, 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 the trinity of excellent things in the scripture is a fascinating study. Proverbs says, do I not speak to you excellent things? And literally the Hebrew for excellent means threefold things. Jesus, whose name means Savior, is the Christ who has made the Lord. Children of Israel were delivered by the blood, water, and the Spirit. They came out of Egypt through the wilderness and into the land. They experienced the Passover, the Pentecost, and tabernacles, the feasts of the Lord. God touches us in our past, our present, and our future because he created us in his image, spirit, and soul, and body. There are hundreds of these. Jesus is Savior. The Bible says the angels appeared in Matthew 1, the angel of the Lord Gabriel specifically, and said to Matthew, listen, this thing is God. It's not of man. Don't put your little 15-year-old wife away to whom you have been espoused. He, he says, because this is a God thing. And he, he, he troubles him in a dream. And he says, fear not, Joseph. He says, but I want you to call this one's name Jesus, for he shall save his what? People from their sins. Savior. On Pentecost, he became the outpoured Christ, the anointing, the Holy Ghost of God. We say Holy Spirit today because Holy Ghost just sounds so old school. Once in a while, I need a little Holy Ghost. <laughs> Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I just have two points this morning and three little sub-points under the second one, so I'm not going to be long. The first of all, I just want to tell you Jesus Christ, number one, is the source of all joy. We sing a song around here. It says, this joy that I have. Mm. The world didn't give it to me. Sing it with me now. This joy that I have. Yeah. The world didn't give it to me. If you got it, sing this joy. Mm-mm-mm. The world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. And he says, I give you these commands that your joy may be what? Full. God wants you to have some joy. As Christians, if we've been touched by the transforming power of God, we ought to have some joy in our hearts. We shouldn't walk around all sad sacks, sick, sober, and sorry, broke, disgusted, and sad. Started out traveling for Jesus, and I lost everything I had. Where did that come from? That's, that's Kenneth Copeland about 1974, I think. Man. Jesus Christ is the source of all joy. We need some joy. We should have some joy. Let me just correct this and say this. If Jesus is in you, you will have joy. How many of you got some joy this morning? 
a couple of you who raised your hand need to let your face know that you've got some joy. <laughs> some of you come to victory and you just go, man, I just really don't know what I think about this church because they have a little bit too good of a time. If there is any place where we ought to have a good time, it ought to be in the place where we're in the presence of God. Jesus Christ is the source of all joy. The Greek word for joy is kara. Everybody say kara. It is, it is a sister to the word charis, which is the word for grace. We are a charismatic church because we have been given grace gifts, charis, mata. Mata is pieces of something. When, when you sat down at the Thanksgiving table, granny cut the pie into eight mata. Eight apportionments, eight pieces. It was a gift to you. She cooked it in grace and gave it to you. You didn't sit down at that table and earn it because you worked hard. She gave it to you out of her love. And God, Kairis Mata, God gives grace gifts to us. And I want to tell you, when Kairis comes in, Kara comes out. If you have some grace, you will have some joy. Grace is God's unmerited, unearned favor. I'm not good enough, won't ever be good enough. Nobody in the room will be good enough. You are in the perfect place if you're an imperfect person because there ain't nobody in the house perfect except the one we're worshiping and his name is Jesus. You got a little bit of grace this morning? When then with the gift of grace comes this amazing, not a chemical, but a spiritual reaction on the inside of you, then out of charis, out of the grace of God comes kara. And out of that is the expression of God's joy that he's given to you because everything that you enjoy, he made. The taste of food, the joy of family and relationships and, and the ability to enjoy your work. Oh my goodness, how we need a generation of people who can find joy in the toil, the book of Ecclesiastes says. If a, if a man can enjoy and find fulfillment in his work, then that man truly is blessed. How many people end up in a career that they feel like is a dead end and they hate what they're doing 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week? And I want to tell you something. Even if you're in one of those places where you feel like it's a dead-end job and you're being overlooked and ignored, if you can begin to realize that ultimately God is your employer. And if you can show up and have a right attitude for him instead of the boss you can't stand. Come on, if you can learn to realize that even in through that channel that you don't really feel like there's an opportunity for you, that you're being squashed, that you're being overlooked. Let me tell you something. If you can just have your up look stretched out to him in faith, God is going to see to it that when promotion time comes, he will see to it that you are blessed and highly favored. Come on. Jesus Christ is the source of all joy. Everything that we do enjoy that the enemy tries to take and pervert and turn and make it wrong. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, How many of you are thankful for the good gifts of God? Even the circumstances that you face. He's promised that now that grace is on the inside of you and joy is springing out of you that he will work all things together for your good because you love him and because you are the called according to his purpose. I feel a little preach in the here this morning. Psalm 16, verse 11. Jesus Christ is the source of all joy. Read this one with me, please. You make known to me the path of life. 
in your presence is what? Fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We must realize that it is only in Jesus. It's not in all of the other trappings of our society or our culture or the accoutrements of success. Jesus was talking to a bunch of farmers one day in Mark chapter 4, Matthew chapter 13, and he's preaching about the parable of the sower, and he talks about those that go into the various types of soil. And one of them was choked out. The growth, the potential of the growth of the plant for the future was choked out because it said that the thorns and the thicket and all of this that Jesus likened to the cares of this bios, the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things. All of those things Jesus has made, he's made for his glory, therefore his pleasure. And he put you in the middle of all of this so that you could be the crown over all of creation and that you would demonstrate his glory and would be for his pleasure according to his will. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the second part, he says, I have come that they might have life and have it what? More abundantly, the King James says, the the more modern translation says, to the fullest Have it to the full, the ESV says. You know, there's nothing like having a full tank of gas. Nothing like getting on a trip and, man, you know that it's topped off and you're ready to go. And there's something else is the feeling when you're out on a long stretch of highway. How many times have I been in those places between here and Nashville praying, Oh, God, create a shell station for me somewhere. Because I'm telling you, it was banging on that little slice over there on the other side of the E. And the light had been on for a while. It's something else to be empty. How many of you know God doesn't want your tank empty? He wants your joy to be full. This is my commandment that you love one another, that your joy may be full. Every one of these build hope. 4,000 years, prophets kept declaring, the seed is coming, the seed is coming, the seed is coming, the seed is coming. A 400-year period of silence where there wasn't even a prophet show up between Malachi and Matthew. And the people are desperate. You talk about a spiritual drought. There hadn't been a revival. Hadn't been a righteous king set on the throne. And Herod was on the throne now. In the middle of all of that, an angel of God appears to a faithful priest in Luke chapter 1 by the name of Zechariah, an old little wife by the name of Elizabeth. Zachariah's turn, his course was coming up, time for him to serve in the temple, and the Spirit of God spoke to him, and he says, Elizabeth's going to have a baby, and Zechariah was struck dumb. God prevented him from speaking words against it. In that same particular period of time, God visited a little 15-year-old virgin whose name was Mary, who was highly favored. The angel of the Lord said, You know, Mary, don't question this thing. Mary said, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel said, that's exactly how it's going to be. For nothing with God shall be impossible. Every word of God has power in it. No word of God is void of power. When God speaks, creation changes. All you need this morning is a word from the Lord. Hear, open your ears, hear the word of the Lord in this message this morning because God wants to ignite hope in your heart so that you can walk in love so that your joy can be full. Thousands of years, the prophets of God were saying, the seed is coming, the seed is coming, the seed is coming. In the gospels, the seed is here, the seed lives, and then the seed is crucified and the seed dies. But I'm so thankful that in the book of Acts, 
The Christmas story is what it is because it's fulfilled in the Easter story. If you're a part of a liturgical church, many times in those churches of liturgy, a little bit higher church, they'll take the Christmas tree and they'll burn it. And then on Ash Wednesday, we'll put the shape of a cross on the 40 days of Lent prior to Easter. And out of that Christmas tree, we see that Jesus Christ was crucified on a tree and the tree became the tree of life. But he didn't stay in the grave. He was resurrected. In the Old Testament, the seed is coming. The seed is coming. In the Gospels, the seed is here. The seed lives and the seed dies. In the book of Acts, the seed is raised from the dead. In the epistles, the seed speaks. But in the book of Revelation, the seed reigns. He rules the earth with truth and grace and makes, come on, sing it with me again. The nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders and wonders of his love. His hope has been fulfilled. Love has come into our hearts, and now joy is the outward expression. Fullness of joy. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Now, wouldn't it be great if we could just stop the story right there? But the story doesn't stop there. Number two, there's a Grinch. Everybody say, there's a Grinch. There's a Grinch whose modus operandi, whose MO, his method of operation is stealing, killing, and destroying. There's a Grinch whose MO is stealing, killing, and destroying. The Bible says in that prior section of John 10.10, the thief comes, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but, everybody say, but, I'm thankful for the divine intervention but God. Come on. You, you, this is the generation that grew up on Sesame Street. Conjunction, junction. Man. It, t- it tickles me when people say, well, I can't memorize the scripture, but look at that thing you just sang back to me right there. It proves that if you hear something enough, if you spend enough time in it, you can get it down into your hole the pickles. Two all beef patties. A, B, C, D. Stop. 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 We can get the word in us. Let me back, get back to my point now. Conjunction, junction, what's your function, okay? It says the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus interrupts that. He does not aim for the Grinch to steal your joy, not at Christmas or any other time of the year. Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the abundant level, to the fullest level, to the full. Fill it up, baby. Top off the tank. I want some joy. Let me tell you something this morning. Three things, and I'm going to be real quick. We want to Grinch-proof your joy today. We want to, just like the, the Jack Frost is blowing his cold breath all over the place, and then boom, here comes this 25, 30, 40 
mile an hour gusts all over the place in the windshield this morning, I think is down around the single digits. We had to hope they were going to have a good crowd this morning because I was a little concerned about whether there was going to be enough heat in the room because it just got so cold around here last night. But I'm so thankful that some warm-hearted folks showed up and some warm bodies ready to put out some BTUs this morning and generate some praise. Come on, somebody. Let me just share with you three things and I'm done. Three things that will Grinch-proof your joy. Number one, it's not about the stuff. It's not about the stuff. As a matter of fact, I tweeted a comment this week that I said I would rather have the presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E of God, than to have his presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. Because I want to tell you something. If you get his presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, all the natural material blessings, all the P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S come with it. You can have all the stuff and not have him. And let me tell you something. It's a miserable life because rich people who are unhappy are a cliché. With nothing but trouble. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. And there's so many verses of somebody done done me wrong and the economy's so bad and I've lost everything I had and it's all falling apart. And let me tell you something. I believe that if you have Jesus down in your heart, if there is no rain, if it's a drought, if everything is falling apart all around you, you have the very thing that will carry you through it, that will hold you up in the middle of the storm. All you need is for Jesus to get in the boat with you. And I would ask you that today, is Jesus in your boat? Don't ever fish without him. It's not about the stuff. Listen this morning, if you'd put that one up, please, Habakkuk. And that's a lovely sounding prophet of the Old Testament, Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Listen to the word of the Lord. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines... The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no flock, yield no food, I'm sorry. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will what? That's another derivative of the word joy. It means to have a continuous expression. It's like a well that becomes a spring. It becomes a geyser. It becomes bubbling up out of the inside of you. Isaiah the prophet in chapter 12 says, With joy we will draw water from the wells of salvation. Shout unto God with a voice of praise to the Lord. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. What are we saying this morning? Even when the crops don't grow like they're supposed to, even when the sheep don't have their babies, even when the olives fail on the tree and the grapes fall off the vine, Habakkuk said, there's something down on the inside of me that even when the stuff is not there and circumstances are right, yet I will rejoice. Come on, everybody say rejoice. That's what we're supposed to do because the Apostle Paul, who was in prison at the time that he wrote the epistle of joy to the Philippians, he said, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, the Greek word for rejoice literally means to brighten up. Look at your neighbor and say, brighten up. Don't you love that? Rejoice. Kairis has been poured out on you. Now you can karah. That sounds like something your people would sing, Julio. 
I'm crazy about this guy. I am so looking forward to him preaching next Sunday. It's not about the stuff. You know, you can have all the stuff. You can have the coolest stuff, the newest stuff. And it's amazing how as soon as you get the newest stuff, as soon as you walk out the stove with it, it's already obsolete. And in two or three months, they're going to put out a new model, and it's going to vex your little soul. As long as I'm captivated by the stuff I realize and I've lost the sense of reality that it is he is the source and he is, I need him so much more than I need all this stuff. If I don't have anything, I can have joy. Amen. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> Number two, how to Grinch-proof your joy. Number two, don't forget the season is about giving. Jesus said it's better to than it is to receive. It's found in the New Testament book of Acts. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. They've built the wall. It's been a time of revival, of restoration, because the children of Israel have come back from their captivity from the Babylonian Empire, and they've come back to Jerusalem. And Ezra and Nehemiah have tag-teamed this thing together. Ezra is a teaching priest, and Nehemiah is a man with a vision in the community. And I want to say something to you here right now. I didn't even have this in my message, but this has so been cooking in me for a couple of years. I'm going to just give you a little glimpse of a vision that I have. I'm trusting God for the Lord to raise up spirit-filled entrepreneurs in this church who will hear the voice of an Ezra in this community, a teaching priest that the Lord has set here. And God needs some Nehemiahs that will come along and will join hands with the Ezras in this community and that we will see the temple of the Lord laid, the foundation of God's house laid, and the priests of the Lord restored. And God will put a word and power and provision into the hands of the Nehemiahs who will build the gates and the walls of the city while Ezra restores the temple of the Lord. I'm preaching this morning, not, and I'm, I'm out there. I'm prophesying this morning. I'm telling you in the generation, in the decade to come, we're going to see the fulfillment of that dream where some young men and some young women have an entrepreneurial spirit on them, and God will put some capital in your hands, and he'll give you a vision to see the delta change to break out of the poverty and the mentality, the racism and all of the separation and all the junk, all the mediocrity. All the mentality of I'm less than because I'm a product of the delta. Let me tell you something. God wants his light to shine in the middle of the darkness of this place. And he will do that when we as a people, the Ezra's and the Nehemiah's, join together and they see God restore the children of Israel from their captivity. God doesn't want you to stay captive to your debt. God does not want you to stay captive to your disease. God does not want you to stay in captivity to your broken relationship. He has come that you might have life. There's a thief out there who steals and kills and destroys. There's a Grinch who will rip your life up. But I'm telling you, there is a Messiah. There is Jesus who is a Savior, who is the Christ, who is the Lord of your life. And he's come that you might have a full tank. Come on. That means full even when things aren't looking good. It's not about the stuff, and it's all about giving. And Nehemiah says... Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our God. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your what? He says, now in the middle of all of the 
rejoicing that you have. This is a season of rejoicing. Christmas is a time where we buy gifts and we share with others because we love them and we want to bless them. And I would just say to you that we are so blessed in this nation and I'm not going to take time and make you feel bad about the blessing of God that is on you. We have worked hard. We've had generations of parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, some who are more righteous than we are and who've trusted God and who've worked like it all depended on them and they prayed like it all depended on God. And because we have generations of that, God has blessed this nation. Instead of so many nations wanting to throw rocks at the blessing of America, maybe they should learn from what has made America in the past great. And God could remove some desperates and tyrants from the thrones of some of those drug-ridden economies of some of the third world countries around us. God's intention is As far as the curse is found, he will make his blessings known. America is still the greatest sending nation of the gospel all over the world. The world is hearing about Jesus because little grandmas who send $10 a month into a Christian television network and who support Christian missionaries and send them behind iron curtains and bamboo curtains and places where they lay their lives down. If the name of Jesus is mentioned in some of these Muslim nations they could be killed they're laying their lives down this morning i want to tell you something i'm thankful to be a part of the nation that is blessed and prosperous enough to keep doing that but i just want to challenge you one little quick thing today as i get ready to close this message do not forget those who do not have because they are all around us matter of fact there are probably a couple people in the room this morning who don't even know where the light bill is going to come from at the first of january we need to be aware of that. We want to minister to. We want to help encourage. We want to reach out to those less fortunate to send portions for them who have nothing prepared for them. There are three ways you can remember the needy here at Christmas. Send some canned goods up here to Wednesday night to Wired Youth. We're going to help meet the food needs of the 8th Street Mission for Jesus Christ, which touches those that are helpless and hopeless. And you know something? There's another way. If you want to send canned goods, go to Walmart and buy a pack of Hanes t-shirts or Fruit of the Loom or something like that. Whatever you'd like to for for men, whatever size you want to. They've got all sizes down at the mission. Just buy a pack of T-shirts, bring it to the church. Carol Daigle is our liaison with the uh, 8th Street Mission. Or a pair of work gloves, just a little $10 pair of work gloves. Not work gloves, I'm sorry, I always say that every time. Winter gloves, something that will keep them warm. One more thing, three things. We have a ministry that we've joined with called Families in Transition particularly battered women who are in transitional seasons of their lives because of having been in a terrible place. The Grinch has broken into their house, filled their husbands sometimes with a demonic spirit and alcohol and drugs and all kinds of things. And those women and those children have endured all kinds of verbal and physical abuse. And those women are in transition. If there's a household product or something you can bring, we will get that to them. Three ways you can send portions to them for whom nothing has been prepared. And it's amazing how when you bless somebody who ain't got nothing, it's amazing how your joy rises up out of the midst of what you think you don't have yourself. Because it truly is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I'm going to take time to do this. I didn't have it in my notes, but I just keep feeling the prompting of the Holy Spirit coming on me several different times. I still have joy. I still have joy. After all I've been through, I still 
have joy. Mm. I still have joy. I still have joy. After all I've been through, I still have joy. Just sing it with me right where you're seated. One more time this morning. Everybody say, I still have joy. I still have joy. After all, after all I've been through, I still have joy. Because of Jesus, I still have joy. Have joy. After all I've been through, you know there's a lot I've been through. Come on, after all you've been through, I still It's not about the stuff, and it's all about the giving. And my final point this morning, and I'm finished. Keep your relationship with Jesus fresh. Keep your relationship with Jesus fresh. Jeremiah the prophet said in chapter 15 and verse 16, he says, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I just want to say to you this morning, God knows your address and your phone number, and he knows the circumstance you're facing. Some of you today are in situations right now that even the person sitting next to you doesn't know anything about it. And I just want to remind you that the way that God can bring to you joy again like you have never experienced before, the the Apostle Peter says, joy unspeakable. It's indescribable and full of glory. Is to recognize that it is his presence alone. He is the source of joy. And he's the one who holds the leash. He can pull the reins back tight on any Grinch who's trying to steal or kill or destroy from you. So much of it is about our perspective. It's not about the stuff. It's about having a willing heart that's, that's open to sharing and giving and pouring out to others who don't have anything. The Bible says in the prophet Isaiah, Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Joy and gladness shall return. Everybody has stuff all the time that can either make you sad or make you mad. And depending on whether you are in touch with this Jesus I'm talking about is whether or not you can come out on the other side of it and be glad. God doesn't want you to stay in that kind of a place. Weeping may endure for a season. It may endure for a night, the psalmist said, but joy comes in the morning. Sometimes in your darkest hours... We're literally affected. There, there, there's probably some people in this room here right now who have, you've been diagnosed with maybe with, what, with what's called seasonal mood disorder. The, the, the intensity and the degree of light that we have because of the cloud cover during the wintertime decreases dramatically. And some folks just need some light. They need, they, they'll go sit in a bright room or they'll get on a tanning bed. 
They'll, they'll do things to have some concentration of some UV rays because it literally produces some endorphins and it produces a, a feeling of, of, of wellness. And I just want to say to you this morning, if, if it's, it, have you ever realized that December is the month where there are more suicides committed than the rest of all the months of the year combined? January through November. Add them together. More people come to the brink of hopelessness in this month when it should be the season of love and joy and peace because the pressure, family, frustration, no sense of fulfillment, no joy whatsoever. And sometimes Christians who've been given the charis, the grace of God, are absent the karah the joy of the Lord because something has broken in and stolen it. It has blocked it. And I want to tell you the way you get it back is just making sure you're keeping your own relationship with Jesus fresh. The prophet David was confronted. I'm sorry, the King David was confronted by the prophet Nathan after probably the darkest season of his own life after committing sin with Bathsheba. And he cried out in Psalm 51 and he said, Cleanse my heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. And one of the lines he said, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. And as I bring this message to a close to you this morning and remind you that Jesus is the source of all joy, everything that he's made is for his blessing and for your blessing as well. If you can Grinch-proof your life and remember it's not about the stuff, and if you can remember it's more blessed to give, this season is about giving, and if you can keep your relationship with Jesus fresh, if you can just ask him in the very same words of that great Christmas carol, that hymn, let every heart prepare him room. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. We use this as an evangelistic verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, let him open the door and I will come in to him and I will sit down and have supper. I will eat with him and we'll have a great time of feasting. That verse is not written to the sinner. Jesus is not talking about somebody who doesn't know him. He's talking to the church. He's writing to a church where Jesus shouldn't be standing on the outside knocking on the door, trying to get in. I I would just ask you this morning, if you're a believer, if you know Jesus Christ, has the cares of this life, the cares of this bios, have the frustrations that come from this season and the expectations of other people and all of the stuff that you, the debt that you can mount, the, the attempting to please everybody. If all that stuff is stacked up and it's crowded out, the sweetness of the presence of your Savior, I want to tell you he's as near to you this morning as your breath. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm going to get off the throne. I want you to get back on it of my heart. Sit down in the place where you belong. Open the door. Let him come in and fill you with the joy of his Holy Spirit and his presence.